Hey everybody, welcome to Out of Bounds, Dylan James, right here on JDF Media. Alongside me, as always, is Tyler Sorensen. And tonight we're going to be talking about Super Bowl matchup. We're going to talk about who was right when it comes to the Super Bowl matchup. We'll be playing a clip momentarily from last week's show. We'll also be discussing NFL honors nominees, seeing who we think will win each award. And we will also be talking about the latest coaching hirings, the head coaching hirings, the last two in the NFL. The Seahawks and the Commanders have their head coaches. Were they good picks or not? We will let you know this evening. But before we get there, Tyler, how was your week, sir? Uh, long, very, very long. We're opening a second store of the place I work at up in Minnesota. So all the manager up there are up there. So I had to manage today and it was a very boring day. Very, very boring. Very boring. Well, hopefully it's tonight boring. will be a little bit more entertaining for you. Um, if you want to join in the conversation, feel free to chime in in the comments below. We'd love to get your thoughts. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. And we're also on Kick currently. But you can also follow our podcast. Subscribe to us, Out of Bounds, Dylan James, on any podcasting platform that you like to use these days. There are so many of them out there. So subscribe there. We'd love to uh, get your support there. But before we get started tonight, before we get into everything, we do have a special guest this evening. I was worried that Tyler was going to be MIA for the show because there were some technical issues on his end, but they got cleared up. He came, but I still told our guests to join us because he has yet to join the show. um, And I'm excited to have him on the show in the flesh because typically he's in the comments section. His name is none other than Alex Handley, broadcasting live from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Alex. What's thanks, going on, guys? Thanks for uh, thanks for joining the show on last minute notice. It was like 10 minutes before the show. I said, Alex, I, I, I don't know if I'll have Tyler this evening or not. And uh, you rushed into my aid, so I appreciate that. Well, you know, I did have to reschedule a few things, but my assistant took care of it. Good. I told her, hey, Dylan comes first. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're coming in with the Salute to Service Titans hoodie as well, which I appreciate that. That shows his allegiance to the team that we both cheer for uh, on Sundays, and that is Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans actually have a new head coach in Brian Callahan before we get with all the other stories that have been happening. I mean, I know it happened last week, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the hiring and um, the staff he's putting together so far. I believe we have a wide receivers coach now. We also have a defensive coordinator in Denard Wilson uh, from the Ravens as well. Well, look, you know, the the uh, the D.C. situation, I couldn't be more thrilled with, right? I mean, you look at the defensive backs that the that the Ravens had this year, stellar unbelievable and especially with that being such a weak point with the titans this season i you know you couldn't ask for a better hire there you know if i had to give one con to this hire i think it's the fact that they're trying to force this coach cali on us already um you know i'd like for us to come up with a nickname you know maybe uh we go with the uh the english route you know we'll go with maybe a cali mccall face uh, okay something along those lines uh, but I don't like uh, force Cali, uh, Coach Cali being forced on me uh, so early. And similar uh, to like what know, we I... saw with Tim Kelly last year, where it was a story that kind of broke with Paul Kaharski. He thought he was texting Tim Kelly, but he actually wasn't. He was te- texting a troll. But the troll said that they had a nickname for Tim Kelly, and it was Pretty Boy Kelly. And that kind of stuck. There was a Twitter handle that was Pretty Boy Kelly. He is actually um, trying to change his name currently to something different because obviously Tim Kelly's not here anymore. Um, but yeah, something organic needs to come out of that. I understand they need to have a 
I guess, a more personal way to, you know, talk to him instead of just calling him Brian or Coach Callahan. But, uh, yeah, Co- Coach Callie did seem a little uh, a little pre uh, predetermined. And uh, I'm like, eh. Yeah, you know, I understand. Like, he's coming from somewhere. I'm sure that they called him that. But when I saw that he was at that Predators game rocking that beautiful Predators jersey, with a button down uh, underneath, it seemed like, you know, maybe a little stiff for a, a first appearance, you know, Nashville's a, a nice loose place. Yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't need Coach Callie's in the house. Hey, Coach Callahan making his first big appearance supporting our local teams. We love it. We love that. Absolutely. Coach Callie? Nah. Does I mean, it I... doesn't protrude that Titan strength to me. No, doesn't. Um, and I mean, also we could have had a Taylor Lewan approach to it to where he gets a catfish and, and chugs a beer out of the said catfish in his first game at the Predators game. But I mean, I I guess we beggars can't be choosers at this point. Um, it is, I mean, he is a family man. He has two young children as well. Ronan and I forgot the, um, his daughter's name. Um, but beautiful family. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens with Brian. I think that he's putting together a really, really good staff so far. Like you said, Denar Wilson, from the Ravens, had a really good DBs last year. Maybe he can lure some free agents over this way in the offseason. That would be a stellar if we could do that for the Titans. Um, but I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what happens in the future with this hire. I think that he's going to bring a completely different mindset to what this team should be moving forward. And it's a much more modern mindset than what we've seen in previous years. So I'm, I'm really excited about the hire. Um, I talked more about it last week. So if you want to hear more about it, go to the podcast from last week and uh, check that out. Um, now let's get into the storylines that have happened this week. We have some coaching news. The last two open positions have been filled in the NFL. One with the Seattle Seahawks in Mike McDonald. And the very last position to be filled was Dan Quinn with the Washington Commanders. Let's get go first with the Seattle Seahawks, Mike McDonald coming in, um, coming in from the Ravens. He's a defensive coordinator there, and they were one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL this season. Was Mike McDonald the perfect fit for Seattle? I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people thought that Dan Quinn was going to go there, so you think you... I think a lot of people were thinking they were going to get a defensive head coach no matter what. I don't think the offensive head coach was sort of on the table, especially with Pete Carroll still be there as a little bit of a consultant sort of style guy. So you still got to have, so you're still going to have that defensive minded head coach. And I think that's just the perfect fit, especially with him being now the youngest head coach. I think he's 36. So he's the youngest head coach now in the NFL already half the age of Pete Carroll. So going to bring a lot more energy to that building. I feel like even though Pete Carroll seemed like it had, limited energy but i think with them going for mcdaniel uh i must i keep wanting to say mcdaniel mcdonald there's so many mix in the nfl nowadays there is instead of dan quinn i think it's i think honestly it's better especially after that last performance that dan quinn had versus the packers it looks rough and i think a lot of people are talking about that sort of same thing with the commanders now yeah i mean people keep saying he's a he's a defensive kyle shanahan he's very innovative with his defenses um, they say that he, he should be a very good head coach. I mean, he's had several years now working with defenses, especially with the Ravens. So, I mean, I think that he'll have success there in Seattle um, to get that Legion of Boom back for the Seattle Seahawks, which we've missed over the past few seasons. I think that, you know, he was one of the hot names out there. He was definitely the, one of the top defensive names out there as head coaching candidates, and uh, he got one of the last ones. What, what, what are you thinking about this 
this higher here, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like we we kept hearing Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, but there's a reason that they moved on from Pete Carroll, right? They were tired of that that time. And Dan Quinn does come from that Pete Carroll time with the Legion of Boom. And I, I wasn't surprised, especially I know uh, earlier this week, Adam Schefter said on the Pat McAfee show that don't be surprised if, you know, if uh, neither of these people end up where we think they're going to end up, right? Ben Johnson ended up staying with the Lions. We thought he was going to go to Washington. Dan Quinn to the Seahawks. He obviously didn't go there. Um, I understand that, you know, Mike McDonald was really sought after in both of those places, but ultimately the Seahawks, they got him on a plane. They said, you're not leaving here until we get this contract signed. And that's how you have to do it. If you know who you want, you have to stick it out. And I think the fact that, Dan Quinn was hired this late into it solidifies that they were clearly waiting for Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald. Yeah, we can go into that too in just a minute. But first, I have to say, Mike McDonald being 36 years old and a head coach in the NFL, one of the 32 positions in the league, and we're sitting here on a podcast on a Thursday evening called Out of Bounds, Dylan James. What are we doing with our lives? I'm telling you. Like, such a young guy getting that position. It's great for him. Um, but you know, we might have to look ourselves in the mirror at some point. Um, let's go to the Washington commanders. Then Dan Quinn getting that position. Like you said, it was interesting because Ben Johnson, after last week's loss in the conference championship game, reports came out fairly quickly after that. It was actually the Washington commanders were going out to Seattle to meet with Ben Johnson and with Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator as well. And Ben Johnson, there was a report that came out that just said, look, I'm staying here for another year. I have unfinished business is what he told um, Amon Ross St. Brown. So I didn't have a very good feeling about Ben Johnson in the first place. I was kind of, I was happy that he decided to not, call back the Titans when they requested an interview for him or they just, they, he left them on red at that point. He, he just, he, something's off. Something's off to me. It, it seems as though, I mean like him coming out, his agent coming out saying that they were looking for, you know, 10 plus million dollars per season to be a head coach somewhere. And I mean, it just seems like, I don't know. He seemed a bit um, stuck up. In this scenario, it seemed to me, he, he felt as though he was the best candidate out there. And he was like, mm, no, I'm just going to stay here instead. I wonder if he was that interested after you have to wonder if he was really that interested in being a head coach this year, unless the lions won the super bowl. I, I think that there's a really good community up there uh, with lions. I think the, the locker room there is clearly just on a different level of how close they are. Um, and yeah, I think Ben, I don't think there was a chance Ben Johnson was leaving unless they won a Super Bowl. So I wasn't surprised to hear him stay. In fact, I was excited to hear that he was staying. Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, I'm, I'm glad he stayed too. Cause I think he's sort of the cog in that Lions team. Obviously you saw Dan Quinn go for two multiple times where he should have just kicked a field goal, but I we'll think we'll talk about that. We'll talk about yeah, that. I think that Ben Johnson is sort of the leader of that team, especially on the offensive end of it. I think he his he, he's the mastermind behind a lot of the plays. And also as well, this is the second year in a row where he's been requested for head coaching jobs. And he's been like, no, I want to stay in Detroit. I want to keep building what we've been building. And we can hopefully be able to win one. Because I don't think he wants to go to a team where, especially like the commanders, where 
you don't know what's going to happen. They had one of the worst, they had the worst defense in the NFL last year. They don't know what they're doing with their quarterback. They don't know what they're doing with their offensive line. They have one good receiver who's scary. Terry has been sort of had an off year last year. So it's like, what are we going to do here? So it's like, I don't think it was advantageous. I think he's waiting for that. Okay. Either I win a Super Bowl with Detroit and then I can go, or I'm waiting for that perfect opportunity where everything just fits in no matter what. Do you think if the Cowboys position was available, he would have left Detroit? Maybe I think that is probably like one of the positions that I think he would go to. Maybe if the chargers were still interested, I think that could be another place, but obviously they got Jim Harbaugh. But again, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't really know if it's like, Oh, I want to stay in Detroit or it's maybe even the whole thing of, I, maybe I don't want to be a head coach. Maybe I, I want to stay a few more years as an offensive coordinator, keep doing this, keep gelling with the guys I have here and then go do it. Go, go be a head coaching job. Cause it's a lot more responsibility than it is just being an offensive coordinator. You know, I, I don't know that if the Dallas job was open, that he would have been brought in for it. If I'm being honest, I, I don't think Jerry Jones is the kind of guy to bring in a first time head coach. Well, I mean, not bringing him in, but he did have, um, what's his name? Jason Garrett, who was in house. who was the first time he was a head coach in the NFL when he first got the position. So uh, I I've seen him do it in the past. It might've been somebody who was, you know, born and raised, uh, in the Dallas organization, I guess you could say. Um, but uh, crazier things have happened. He, he, the thing is when it comes to like certain teams, when they fire a head coach, like let's say for the Titans, for instance, they f- fired Mike Vrabel. What did they do? They went out and got a young offensive minded coach instead to give them a different, path moving forward to do something different for the organization to get them in a better position to potentially win a Super Bowl down the down the line so I mean it wouldn't surprise me if he tried something different having Mike McCarthy there you know a a veteran head coach who just couldn't get it done so let's see if this young guy can come in to kind of spark the offense and spark the team to get them on a, a Super Bowl run um I wouldn't have been surprised if he was mentioned in that conversation. I wasn't surprised that it's the opposite for the Los Angeles Chargers. They decided to go out and get a guy in Brandon Staley who was an unproven head coach in the league because he had never been a head coach and was a disaster in Los Angeles. And they went out and got a veteran NFL slash college head coach who has championship pedigree on both levels and decided to bring him in instead. So I I think that there there was an opportunity for Ben Johnson to potentially go somewhere else. I think that, like you guys said, it's probably best for him to stay as a coordinator for now because he wants to try to go back there to the conference championship and go further next year with the Lions, get some more, get some more experience under his belt, and potentially have a better chance of getting that 10 to $13 million per year contract he's looking for as a head coach if he stays there and is successful with the Detroit Lions one more year. Do we know how much he's making with the Lions now? Because I know they've given him pay raises uh, due to how successful he's been. I I don't know if they – typically with assistant head coach, you don't really hear numbers per se right. when it comes to their contract. So it, it might be out there. Tyler, if you don't mind looking that up, that'd be great. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if they have that number out there or not, but I'm sure it's not – close yeah, to what it's, he was looking for. It doesn't really look like it says via you know, like pro football network. It says like, he's probably making the average, uh, about 1.5 mil a year, if not more, I wouldn't be surprised if they're making more because of how good he's been doing. Probably maybe even closer to like the two mil 
area. That would be my guess is probably what he's making so far. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing to come out of all of these movements, though, is, uh, you know, at the end, like with Dan Quinn leaving Dallas, what's next for them defensively? You know, like when I look at what they've got as far as talent goes, you look at the contracts that they have coming up. You mentioned Staley. I wonder, I mean, he was like, there's a reason he got a head coaching job. I wonder if he ends up over there. I could see that happening just because they did the same thing on the offensive side of the ball with Kellen Moore. Brought him in for a year, had him be the offensive coordinator, and then he moved on to the Chargers. Um, I I could see that happening there. I could, uh, because Brandon Staley doesn't have anybody beating on his door. But then also, you look at how late it took uh, the Commanders and the Seahawks to get head coaches. So now there's defensive coordinator position in Baltimore that's open. You also have the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator position open in Dallas. So you have two positions now you have to fill and there's not as many guys out there as um as you think there might be for defensive coordinator positions. I mean you could see people getting I could see with the three. Ravens getting Brandon Staley just because they're I don't know. I, I think that him going to the AFC, he's more familiar with the conference there too. I think he might want to stay in the AFC more so than going to the NFC. But I could see the Dallas Cowboys promoting someone from within, maybe looking at the defensive defensive line coach, the linebackers coach, because those two positions are typically pretty strong for that defensive unit. So they, they might look their at DB coach. Their DB coach had some head head coaching looks as well. So yeah, yeah they, they've got some. Yeah, they've got some killer stuff people to look at. And as far as other people out there for defensive coordinators, I think the thing that needs to be said: Braves and Belichick. Uh I think both of their Available. egos wouldn't allow them to accept defensive coordinator positions. Especially Vrabel. Especially Vrabel. After after the report that came out with Vrabel saying he wanted more control over the roster and whatever, if, if it's true or not, I mean, we all know that Vrabel has an ego. So I, I don't know if he'd be, I don't know if he'd be saying, yeah, yeah. After I was a head coach for six years, I'm going to take a defensive coordinator role instead. I don't think that's going to happen. No. And I could also, by the way, cause Al Harris is the Dallas Cowboys DBs coach played for the Packers under Mike McCarthy. I think it's honestly just a match made in heaven right there. I think McCarthy's like, Hey, let's just promote him. I think he's already gotten some good nods via like Trevon Diggs and some other DBs in that DB room. Like, and their DBs were very good this year as well. I think the biggest issue is yeah. just Diggs got injured with a torn Injury. ACL. Yeah. Like, like you can't really stop that. But I think honestly, that's a very good shout. I think he's been looking at DC positions for like for like some big teams as well. I know we interviewed him, so I think that would just be like the best thing is just promote Al Harris, try to get another DB coach in there that can under him and I think that's another thing too that sort of happened like you said with Kellen Moore he was a quarterbacks coach then he became the OC now he's with the Chargers so might as well do the same thing but on the defensive side especially with somebody that Mike McCarthy knows fairly well and played almost his entire career with yeah absolutely um with Dan Quinn we didn't really touch too much on on him specifically but do you think Dan Quinn will be have a successful stint as a head coach second time around I, I think he's in to just build uh build a culture in Washington. They don't have anything right now. Like they they are under new manage under new ownership. I think they're 
trying to build a new stadium a little bit further in Virginia. So I think they're just trying to build a culture. I think he won't be there. And I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a year and year and done deal, like a few other head coaches have been, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do see him for two years, max or two, three years, max. Do we see the term on his contract? How long it was going to be? I did not. I know Mike McDonald's going to be six years. I know that, but I don't, I don't know who, what the term was on Dan Quinn's contract. It could still be, I, I haven't seen anything that says like, you know, signed or pen to paper or officially official or anything like that from anybody on Dan Quinn yet. But I mean, I think the thing to keep in mind there is they, uh, he moved within the division. He, if there's anything that he knows, it's those three other offenses. Yep. Uh, that's so, a good thing for him. Good thing for him. Um, and with the oh, best I think offense, I found it. what is it? Uh, Oh, wait, maybe not. Never mind. I thought I saw it, but Fossil. I thought I saw something saying like three years, but never mind. That's just something completely different. I could see that happening. Being a bridge contract, potentially. See, you know, show us what you're made of. And if you're not, then we can cut bait pretty quickly with this new ownership group in Washington, too. I'm sure they want to get somebody in there that'll be successful, especially if they're going to build a new stadium within the next five, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so those are the two co- those are the two head coaching positions that have been filled. There is a new coordinator in Green Bay. Since you mentioned yes. Green Bay, we might as well talk about him for a minute. What do you know about your new f- defensive coordinator? Uh, runs a four three, which okay. I was looking at it is I honestly I like it. Thinking about it a little bit, a little bit more. Um, only really had one year as a pure defensive coordinator. That was a co defensive coordinator with Ohio State a few years ago in like 2019. Took him from 70th ranked defense to the 7th ranked defense. Um, was a head coach at Boston College. Obviously, Boston College is just a shit show in the past few years. But he's been bowl eligible basically three out of his four years as a head coach there, going like 6-6 six and six each year. Um, friends with Matt LaFleur, which is, eh, I don't like that aspect of it. But, well, uh, I mean, hey, it's going to happen. But he... He said he prioritizes his defenses like NFL ready, NFL esque style defenses with bringing blitzes, being aggressive, which I really like. And I think it's going to be interesting. He's primarily a DB's coach. And if you look at the Packers squad right now, we need DB help. We had Jonathan Owens and Keyshawn Nixon playing almost every single snap in a seventh round pick, playing crucial moments in a in a divisional round football game. We need some help at DBs. So I wouldn't be surprised we do target that in the draft as well. But I think honestly, I think it's a great hire, and I think I'm 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 really excited for it. I'm keeping my options to a moist because I haven't really done too much research with it. But it's what I've have done and what I've listened to, I think I'm excited for it. I think it could be another big thing for this year, especially with how well our if it is a four three style defense, I I really like that, especially having Van Ness, Preston Smith as our two edge rushers, and then having uh. Clark, who doesn't seem like age, the aged day, and then uh, Devontae Wyatt as our front two defensive tackles. I think that could be massive for this team. With this hiring, are there any other openings right now on the Green Bay Packers staff, or is that it? I don't know. I think we still have like our like our strength and conditioning coach. I think he's still. I think we're still looking for that. I think there's been reports that we're going to get basically the whole of the of the staff from last year back. Which I think that's another good thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if we do decide to look at like another D line coach, maybe something like that. But that's all I've heard is just is just we fired our DC and the strength and conditioning coach. So hopefully, mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about our strength and conditioning coach, which I 
feel like we should at some point, but I don't know. Yeah. Other than that, no positional coaches, really. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, you're DC last year. You know, mm-hmm. people can be better than that. So I think that this new guy coming in, coming in from college, fresh perspective, you know, hungry for yeah. an NFL opportunity, and hopefully he can come yeah, in and he's, be successful. Yeah, and he's been in a he's been an NFL coach before. He's been a DBs coach for Browns and I think a few other teams as well. So he has NFL experience, just not as a defensive coordinator. So I'm like, hey, I'll take somebody who has some who has some NFL experience. And I think a lot of people as well were talking about Jim Le- Jim Leonard, who's our who's the Wisconsin Badgers DC for a bit. I think a lot of people were expecting him, but again, I. I don't really have the sentiment, but a lot of people are thinking like I'd like to have somebody with NFL experience to come in as well, whereas Jim Leonard doesn't have any and then be a DC. Mm. So I like having that just like that little bit of a day. Hey, I was a DB coach for a few years, went back to college, now I'm back in the NFL. Hmm. All so right. Do you think there's a lot of pressure on him, especially with the way the offense performed later in the season? Like to kind of you know, carry their part? Yes. Oh yeah. I think if if we're from a fan perspective, if if we can't stop the run the way that it seems like we have, have not been able to stop the run the past decade plus, and if they're just running all over us and it feels like that no matter what, they're going to get rushing yards and get 100-plus each game, I think there's already, always going to be already going to be bad looks for it. But if we can stop, if there's games where it's like we can stop the run, I think I think it'll be head and shoulders above everything that, we, that we've looked at before. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that um, you guys can get better on defense and the Titans can continue to be good on defense with a new defensive coordinator, which I think we will be. So, um, especially DBs. I cannot wait to see what happens to Caleb Farley. Hopefully he can turn a new page in this new defensive scheme. Maybe Christian Fulton gets a look before he gets shipped off, but we'll see how Titans fans react to that. And at the end of the day, we still have the, the core member of that defense intact and that's jeffrey simmons yep like he is still going to bring in that culture the anchor yeah there's all yeah there's always that concern to like uh you know new gm is he his guy but are the new gm is who paid him so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully we have other guys too aziz and arden key um harold landry we'll see how those guys are are in that defense as well um let's do a little recap of conference championship weekend before we get there though we have to talk about some predictions that occurred on the show last week. So I have Chiefs Niners Super Bowl. Tyler has Lions Ravens Ravens Super Bowl, and you have Ravens Niners. Yeah, Niners. The script. The script. The script. Interesting. Well, tag them back. It's gonna be two red teams again. I'm gonna be annoyed. Well, no. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I I still think Chiefs and Chiefs Niners. So I think Tyler, you're going to be annoyed. Um, yeah, it is it, Chiefs Niners is going to be the Super Bowl this year. It's the worst outcome out of. <laughs> I I genuinely think it's the worst outcome. Like I, I I'm going to watch it no matter what because it's a Super Bowl. But it's it's I think out of everything, every single team, I think I would much rather have any team that played in the playoffs this year rather than these two teams facing off against each other again four years four years later. 
Well, for Super Bowl weekend this weekend, this year, um, Ann Bailey and I will be in Hattiesburg. So we might be hitting Alex up when we're down there. Just to let you know. Um, and we're having a party. Come on by. Okay. Sounds good. Um, and we are also going to Mardi Gras the day before. That's the reason why we're down there in the first place. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that – I told you last week it was going to be Niners and Chiefs. I just want to put that out there. I was the only one on the show that actually predicted it correctly. Um, you were completely off. I don't know what you were smoking that day. Um, hey, but- I was <laughs> – if if Dan Campbell decided not to go – not leave six points on the board. I know. I know. If ifs and buts were what, – what's the phrase? If ifs and nuts were oh, – whatever. I don't know. Uh, ifs don't and know. buts. There we go. Um, ambulance is the same as 2020. Only, yep. All I know is close is only good in- – yeah, close is only as good as in horseshoes and hand grenades. So there you go. That's that's a better phrase. Um, yeah, and and it's funny. It is the same as twenty twenty. Hopefully that we don't have a global pandemic after the winner of this game too. Um, if that happens. Said, and you know what happened right after the Super Bowl? Yep. Um, and Dylan is so humble. I I, ha- I have to. I'm not right often in these scenarios, so I'm going to say I was right um, as much as I can in this one. Um, Alex, what do you think about the, the Super Bowl matchup, Niners and Chiefs? I think if you go back to the preseason and you look at the uh, the two odds on favorites to go to back to go to the Super Bowl this year, it was the Chiefs and the Niners. So I don't there's no reason to be surprised. I mean, obviously with the way that the Chiefs played during the regular season, you know, it was the hot thing to say was that the Chiefs are dead. They're dead. Taylor Swift is the problem. Travis is distracted. Well, the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs, and the Chiefs showed up in the postseason like nobody else can. Yep. It just yep. is what it is. Also, on Good Morning Football. I made Football. a great meme. Oh, did you? I was say, I made a great meme where I put uh, Patrick Mahomes' face on Thanos when he says, I'm inevitable. And so, he is it, in the playoffs. Yeah. He is in the playoffs. Um, Pete Schrager from Good Morning Football, actually predicted this Super Bowl in week one. And he also predicted the Chiefs to go on to win Super Bowl 58. So we'll see if that prediction goes through. And he's been correct he's been the correct. past five years in a row. Yeah, the past five years in a row, he's been correct with his predictions. Not the right teams, but the right winner. So, yeah. If the Chiefs win another one. Crazy. I, 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 yeah. Hey, if the Chiefs win another one. We're looking at we are we it is in it you can't deny it anymore. We are officially in another dynasty. And Schrager has level dynasty. And Schrager has the playbook. He has the script. Yeah. He's had the script for the past five years. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so we'll see how that goes with that game. We'll talk more about it next week. We'll dive deeper into that game and deeper into some of the prop bets that will be had for that game like the Gatorade color and things like that which is always fun so we'll talk more about that next week on the show but this week we'll talk and break down the conference championship games first we'll talk about the Chiefs and Ravens this game was a snooze fest bad. so yeah. bad so bad um Ravens couldn't get anything going on offense the Ravens rushed their running backs combined rushed eight times for 27 yards did you see the stat of each game, the amount of carries? It's like 30, 20, 30, 30, 29, 28, 30, 30, 31, 32, 30, 30, 30. And then you get to this one, it's six, six or eight. And I'm just like, how? How, how, do you, how do you go from, I get that the Chiefs have a very, very good front seven, but 
you're based off that. And you had Mark Andrews back, one of probably, if not the best blocking tight ends, as well as Pat Ricard, who's basically a glorified offensive lineman and a full in a in a stockier body. Like, run the ball. Run the yep. ball. You you got Delvin Cook for a reason. You can you got some decent legs. You got you got Gus Edwards who can run. Justice Hill, who's pretty fast. Like Lamar Jackson, you could just design up some design runs for him, but you didn't even rush the ball with him anymore. I mean, if you look at like Lamar Jackson, there was that one moment specifically. He hit that uh they kind of faked it to the right and then he took off on the draw to the left. Got I think it was like either nine or thirteen yards or something like that. It was enough for a first down. Then they ran the ball on the very next play for Guess Edwards for another large gain of like 15 yards. And we were like, all right, this is it. This is the moment where the the Ravens are going to start being the Ravens. They're going to run it down their throats. And then they didn't run it again. And it was, I just, I just didn't get it. Yeah. The play, the, the play calling was just not what we've seen this year. What was, what made them successful this season was the rushing attack. Lamar Jackson did carry the ball eight times for 54 yards in this game. So he played pretty well still. He was able to carry the ball and get some yardage that way, but not having your running backs and running back. I included Zay flowers as well. Um, so only five, six carries for running backs in this game, eight carries altogether with running backs and wide receivers. But uh, you just, you need to have a run game. You need to have a run game. Uh, it's funny because Taylor Lewan was on up in Adams um, on FanDuel, I believe the week before, talking about the the way to shut down Lamar Jackson, get him off his spot, make him throw the ball. And that's exactly what they did. They made him try to throw the ball, and it just, he just was not successful. He still threw the ball for 272 yards, but had a touchdown and an interception. It, it, it just was silly. The The scheme they had going into this game I mean you had you have to establish the run if you're the Ravens that's what your game is and if you're unable to do that then you're not going to win with Lamar Jackson's arm and we've talked about it again I'll bring it up once again Lamar Jackson a top 10 athlete not a top 10 quarterback he's yeah, not I think if you look at I think if you look at some of the I think the most glaring things that I noticed with their past game was actually not like the you know the deep balls or throwing you know down the middle. It was short passes outside the numbers that were meant to just be dump it off. I, the amount of deflections, the amount of missed passes, you know, bad passes, the amount of drop passes, they stunk in the short pass game. And that's where they you know, that's just an extension of the run game at that point. And that's where they should be thriving. But he was doing these sidearm passes and all these things like. Play clean. Play yeah. smart. Yeah. Um, Andy is chiming in saying, how about those Chiefs? Which we'll see if they say the same thing in two weeks. Um, and Ann Bailey said they killed themselves with dumb penalties too. Uh, the biggest penalty yes. I, I remember is the Zay Flowers penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct taunting. for taunting on a defender, which that defender was the defender who knocked the ball out on the one-yard line to negate a touchdown potentially for the Ravens in this game um, to make it even closer than it was. But you can't take that. Pen- the, the thing is going into the game, Alex talked about it last week saying that, you know, that this officiating crew called 60 plus percent more penalties on the home team than away. Um, and this was no different, but the penalties that were called, unfortunately for the Ravens fans were legitimate penalties. I, yes. I I don't rem- I don't recall a single penalty that happened in that game 
that wasn't meant to be a penalty. That shouldn't have been I a think, penalty. Yeah, I think there was like one that was like a, not even like ticky tacky, but definitely like, eh, I, I, sort the, of pass interference call. But even then, like, yeah, you could definitely see like going on a replay and going a little bit slow motion. Like, yeah, that was clearly a pass interference call. My favorite call though has to be the arm bar that the Ravens defensive tackle did to Patrick Mahomes. And then the commentator pulled off the longest yard call, and I was like, yes. I love that. That was funny. I like that a lot. That, And then also the Kyle Van Noy going up to Travis Kelsey and oh, headbutting head him. him. And fans were saying that that shouldn't have been a penalty, but, I mean, obviously if you can go over and headbutt somebody, that's going to be a penalty. If you're doing it right in front of the referee as well, I mean, you know, people usually say it's not the first person that gets a penalty. It's the second Glass. thing that happens. Yep. So um, just dumb penalties by the Ravens in this game. Just got off their game very quickly. The thing was, too, the defense in this game for the Ravens, going in one of the top defenses, if not the best defense we've seen this year in the NFL, allowed the Chiefs to score 17 points. But in the second half, they held the Chiefs scoreless. Chiefs didn't score a single point in the second half, and they still lost the game. Well, I think the thing to keep in mind here is that we weren't just watching, you know, the Ravens defense, right? They had the, they were number one in points allowed in the season, right? They were the best. Well, the other team on the field this year, also top five team in that category. So, right. We can look at it all day long and say like, well, the Ravens defense just really blew it up. That's discounting what the chiefs defense did. The chiefs defense did go out there and execute their game to a T exactly what they wanted. And I think at the end of the day, we can say a lot of people want to say that the Ravens lost that game. I think ultimately the chiefs defense really did win it for them. They stepped up. This has probably been one of the best defenses the chiefs have had since Patrick Mahomes came into the league. And I mean, it's showing Uh, Spagnola. There there was a stat too saying that he was the, the, Defensive coordinator who's been to the most Super Bowls or tied for the most Super Bowls in in Super Bowl era um, in the NFL, which is incredible. Um, but he has been very, very good for the Chiefs this year. And that defense has stepped up in the moments when they've needed to step up. Um, yeah, I, I think that Steve Spagnola definitely needs his flowers because he has done a great job with that unit this year. Isn't it curious? No head coaching looks. I th- you know what? I think that how old is Steve Spagnola in the first place? Has to be in his he's late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, he's older, but he's not that old. Like, I mean, yeah, I would he, say late 50s. he is sixty-four. Okay, maybe he's just looking he at it as as a situation where he's content. He likes the I mean, Chiefs. Yeah, he likes he Andy Reid. He, he was the head coach for the Rams back in two thousand nine to two thousand eleven. Yeah. Other than that, he's basically just been a pure defensive coordinator. And again, this could be the same thing as Ben Johnson. We talked about it a little bit earlier where it's like, I, I like being a coordinator. I don't mind being a coordinator. He was an interim head coach in 2007 for the Giants. So it's like he has that sort of experience to it. But I like being I like being a coordinator. I like running my team. I like running my defense this way. I like having somebody else deal with all the stress and being the or. I don't want to say bigger name, but definitely a bigger name in the media, especially with more casual fans being like, Oh, I know the head coach, but I don't really know the coordinator. I don't really know all these guys. Like 
I well, like, also, I like keeping that way. Also, he could be there waiting in the wings for when Andy Reid retires, which apparently there's a report out there saying Andy Reid could potentially retire this year if they win the Super Bowl, which I, I, don't, I don't see. I don't buy it either. But, I mean, we also saw that same report when Sean McVay won the Super Bowl as well, and it sounded like it was actually pretty true. He was on the edge of potentially retiring after winning the Super Bowl. So, I mean... Well, when you get offered $20 million to sit on your butt and call TV, yeah. I'd yeah, say. yeah, absolutely. You give it I, some consideration. I, I think with, with Andy Reid, if he does win the Super Bowl, I mean, you're going out on top as a head coach. He might look at what's happening with the salary cap in Kansas City. They're getting closer and closer to that moment when Patrick Mahomes is going to take over the majority of their salary cap and their players are just going to... I don't know what's going to happen. Take pay cuts, uh, get traded places. They're, they're going to lose a lot of their stars, most likely, within the next five, seven years, which is not going to be good. You're just going to have Patrick Mahomes there. <laughs> so Andy might be looking at, well, it might be time for me to start looking at retirement because I don't know how many more times we're going to get here with this team. I feel like a good thing for them to do would kind of do the Bruce Arians thing. Like, don't leave. Uh, but start implementing a new system. And then if you new look regime. at like and look at Tampa Bay, it took it took a couple years, right? It took a year. They weren't super great with Todd Bowles last year, but they had a really great year this year. Um, so I think that would be a good system for them. Like, you know, let him step down, let him be in the building, let him still like contribute, but start to kind of usher in a new era. I can as see long that. as it's not Matt Nagy. Yeah, please no Matt Nagy. Please no. And also, if but you're looking he, at both coordinators, I would most I would most likely I would like to have Steve Spagnola in the head coaching position instead of a Matt Nagy in the head coaching position. I'm sure that Patrick Mahomes would feel the same way as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, 100. Especially having the best defense he's had this in his career so far. Yeah. Wesley Burton chiming in, saying, "What's going on, fellas? Hey, Wesley. Uh, hey, Gardner Minshew is going to the Pro Bowl." Look at that. He got the nod. They're right now. Yep, they're right now. So, good for Gardner Minshew. I'm glad he's getting his flowers, even though he probably didn't deserve to go. I'm still glad. It's kind of like last year. Last year, they had the say, backup quarterback for the Ravens. That's it. Yeah, now, yeah, Huntley. Tyler Huntley got it last year, which, <laughs> I mean, I think you would pro- I mean, I think you would probably say that Gardner Minshew deserved it more than Tyler Huntley, but still, like... I still got to say this though. How does a quarterback that was benched two times make it in over one of the one of the three quarterbacks that threw forty touchdowns in the league this year in the NFC side? Because Geno Smith, yeah, because Geno Smith made it and he was benched two times for Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. One was for injury, but the other one wasn't. So, yeah, Jordan Love. Geno not is Geno's in the Pro Bowl. He's in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah. How does but Jordan he Love get is in not. instead of Jordan Love? Oh. Who threw for over forty touchdowns this year? Was Gino was Gino voted in? I think he was like, or was he an alternate? I think he was he was an alternate. Okay. I think the other thing to keep in mind is one Jordan Love really kind of blew up closer to the end, and I think Gino was doing well early and kind of fell off towards the end. Jordan yeah. Love hot beginning, tough middle when the votes happening, and then kind of brought it back up. Uh, the last yeah. six weeks or so. I think the other thing with, uh, I mean, 
who knows? He may have been invited to the Pro Bowl and turned it down. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he did. But I'm still surprised that there's. I still think there's no Packers in the Pro Bowl, which I think is still blasphemy. That nobody. Yeah, there, on well, there's like five squad. teams that don't have players in the Pro Bowl. Four. It's Four. us. It's us. The Bears, the Panthers, and the Commanders. So your three bottom low, three of your worst teams, and the Packers who made it to the divisional round. Who, I think, out of everybody, I think Jaden Reed could have made it as a wide receiver alternate. Obviously there's a lot of wide receivers in the NFC. One of the tight ends could have made it. Obviously it's going to be tougher because the tight end position is not, is only like really two players, maybe an offensive lineman. Zach Tom had an amazing year. Our, he had a great year. Kenny Clark could have had a good, good year. But other than that, I mean, like I understand it because we don't really have a lot of household names with how likable, with how likable Jair Alexander is. I'm, I'm actually surprised he didn't get more votes than he should have. He was he was injured for yeah ten oh, games well, I think so that that's it then um it is interesting that the, the Packers had zero especially with them having such they're usually on the national stage with a lot of their games they usually have a lot of um te- nationally televised games throughout the year especially with the Aaron Rodgers days but now I mean it's still Green Bay there's a bunch of fans out there you would think they would have more love that way but yeah. um did you hear about the uh, whole report? coming out of new york no no oh apparently roberts apparently they're everybody's frustrated in the jets organization right now with aaron Rodgers. oh that's so i'm like hear about this i'm very 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 glad that we got rid of them why are they why why are they feeling this way because apparently apparently like a few so it came with like a bunch of like leaks and stuff like that where Apparently, players and some members of the staff are basically saying that Joke Douglas is Aaron Rodgers' assistant GM. Um, he basically brought in all his buddies. Robert Sala basically gave up after Rodgers got hurt week one. Um, apparently, there's a falling out between Zach Wilson and Rodgers after he went to go get rehab for his Achilles. Um, just a whole bunch of stuff where it's like, I'm glad we're done with that. Which is fascinating to me with the Zach Wilson thing, because Aaron actually spoke about Zach Wilson on the Pat McAfee show very highly of Zach Wilson. Like, yeah, several times, very highly of him saying like he's a younger brother. Um, That's that's fascinating. He's a sweet boy. Yeah, he's a sweet boy. And, um, you know, he felt bad for what was happening with him, with the whole benching and and. Uh, people yeah. going after him, things like that. It, it just seems kind of odd that that would be the case. Um, I, unless, I mean, it, they are whistleblowers. They're probably people with no names that are coming out as sources anyway and saying these yeah. things. They might just be wanting to cause dissension in the organization somehow, but it, it does seem kind of odd that, that that would be part of the report. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't I, be surprised for that. Yeah, I think I saw something where, like, Colin Cowherd said something that I thought was actually surprisingly reasonable for him. <laughs> this week uh talking basically like the jets have one year if you know if something happens and they don't if they don't make it to the division like at least the divisional round of the playoffs if not the championship game you're gonna have you know sala who's been doing nothing but making excuses all year he's gonna be gone nathaniel hackett i just don't think is gonna cut it as an offensive coordinator period he's i just don't see it happening he's been nothing short of terrible um in that role i I just i'd be i wouldn't be shocked to see a complete turnover 
and maybe doing something like bringing in a Bill Belichick uh, for a couple of years to try and combine Bill Belichick, combine uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, and see if they can't do something for two to three years and let them go off into the sunset. Imagine Aaron, Aaron Rodgers being under Bill Belichick and, him, and Bill Belichick being the coach of two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. That that would be insane. That would be insane. That's but riding off you, into the sunset. Do you think the Jets ownership still is still salty about the whole thing that he did with the Jets? Because didn't he sign there for like a day and then decide to go get the Patriots job? Yeah. And like when it, before he got the Patriots job. Was that so when he was with the Browns? Ownership? When he was moving from the yeah. Browns to the Patriots? Browns, yeah. Jets mm. for a day, Patriots. That might be the case. So do you think the ownership is still salty about that? I'm sure. That, I mean, if I'm Robert sure Sala... if, if Robert Sala goes in next year and has a piss poor performance like he's had the past few years that they would let bygones be bygones and work out something with Bill Belichick. Right. I mean, like after the last Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, right. Everyone was like, Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back on the Pat McAfee show. Well, he did two days later, the day that, uh, <laughs> that on, Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> on Thursday when Bill Belichick was fired and came on there and talked about how much respect, not just that he asked for him, but how much there's mutual respect. I mean, that he might have been just sowing that seed, especially for the Jets. I'm sure the Jets front office brass were watching that interview and said, hmm, maybe that's something we could potentially look at if Robert Sala is not going to be the guy long-term, which I think there were reports coming out too about Robert Sala. There were some things going on with Robert Sala in the background as well. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot going on in the New York organization, and um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. We'll see how it goes next year, though. Maybe we'll have Bill Belichick and Aaron Rodgers, you know, going to the Super Bowl one year. That will be funny. Crazy. Crazy. Bill um, Belichick would want to kill Rodgers. I can just say that right now. He's a little bit different than Tom Brady. Personality-wise, a little bit different. Um, okay, let's move on to this one. Lions and Niners. We can touch on this pretty quick. Uh, Lions dominated in the first half of this game. Went up 17 yeah. points on the Niners going into the half. And then the Niners came back, roaring back, and overcame that 17-point deficit to win the game. Dan Campbell had some questionable decisions later in that game. He decided to gamble with a fourth down play twice and decided to forego his opportunity to get three points each time and field goals, which would have been chip shot field goals, mind you. Uh, he decided to go for it on fourth down instead. Was that the correct decision or decisions by Dan Campbell in this game, or should he have changed his approach for more playoff football instead of Dan Campbell regular season football. No, I think Dan Campbell has to be Dan Campbell. The thing that the players love about him, the thing that we always hear is that he is who he is and he does it his way no matter what. I think if he went in there and started playing conservatively in the playoffs, that's that's not the way to do it. That's live by the sword, die by the sword. I fully supported it. Tyler? Yeah, and I think also, too, the kicker, I think he's, I don't even remember the kicker's name because they switched it halfway through the season. I don't think he's kicked a single field goal in the out of a dome this season, too. So, yeah, so. Yeah, Michael Badgley. He came yeah, in, I don't didn't he come he in later? 
this year? Did, yeah, because it, it was Riley. It was Riley something. I can't remember his last name, but he was the starting kicker. He got injured or benched or cut or something like that because he missed a few field goals. He came in, didn't kick a, didn't kick outside of a dome in the entire season, so you already are missing a kicker. I think, obviously, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Uh, like, uh, like you said, it's live by the sword, die by the sword. I think Dan Campbell is Dan Campbell. I think he's going to go for it every single time because he he trusts his team. Obviously, there's a few. It was very awkward, but I think just you just got to execute that. And I think that's the one thing that Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson are preaching right now. It's just we hey, we just had to execute. We if we if we would have executed that, and I think also if you didn't, if your defense give up didn't give up that sort of run that the 49ers had and you didn't have those fumbles and all those turnovers in that short period of time too, it, it the Lions are making it to the Super Bowl. Well, after the last fourth down that he tried to convert and failed, it was turnover on downs, and it turned into a touchdown. So they were down by 10 points at that point. They had the next drive, scored a touchdown, tried to go for an extra point, and, uh, and I'm sorry, they went for a field goal, I believe field goal at the very last trying to do the onside kick almost almost worked it was a good hop but uh unfortunately they were unable to recover and they lost by seven um three yeah three okay so it was backwards then they scored a touchdown yeah they scored a touchdown yeah okay, scored a touchdown they were supposed to go to for a field goal so if they had caught and kicked that field goal they would be going into overtime the the, yeah. the, the thing i'm looking at is there are certain situations, especially the playoffs. You're, you're in the conference championship game, in the playoffs. When are, when are you go home? And Mike Vrabel had some similar instances early in his tenure as well. I think the London game, he decided to go for it for two instead of tying the game. They failed the two-point conversion, and they lost the game by one. Um, he had that scenario happen, but then after that, he learned from that. And he was able to make decisions more wisely for a little while, at least, um, to get to the AFC Championship game and, and, and the playoffs and whatnot. Have this, this early success he did in his career. Brandon Staley, on the other hand, is a guy that liked to go for it on fourth down as well. And let's see how that turned out for him. Didn't turn out great. Didn't turn out great for the Chargers. Do you see... If Dan Campbell continues his ways of being the Dan Campbell way, going for it on fourth down, it going the way of Brandon Staley, or do you see him looking at this, kind of doing some self-reflection and saying that there may be instances where I need to turn off the Campbell mode to actually get some points on the board, especially in a game that was that closely contested? I um, think... Do you want to go, go first? Do you want me to go first? Okay. I think there's two different ways of thought of it. Brandon Staley is analytics-driven, and analytics is terrible. Dan Campbell is just balls-to-the-wall crazy and doesn't give a fuck. I think those are the two sort of ways thinking of it. I think Dan Campbell is going to learn more about it. Like, we've seen it throughout so far. His first year went 0-10-1, first win, everybody's celebrating. Next year, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more crazy, go 9-8, and try to make some plays. This year, he goes back to the back to the wall crazy going for it on fourth down in your own territory with fake punts. I think this is sort of the year that he's going completely crazy, and I think next year he's going to rein it down a bit where he's going to still go crazy, but he's not going to be taking those high-risk, high-reward plays. He's still going to try to go for it, but it's going to be a little bit less and not maybe go for, like, punts, like, fake punts on your own 30. 
I think he'll still try to go for fake punts, but maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to rely on that from maybe our own 40 to the, 40 to 50. I think that will probably be the area of effect of it. Yeah, I think the other thing to remember here is that uh, how many playoff games did Brandon Staley win as a Chargers coach? Zero. Zero. He, I, I get it. He made it to the playoffs. I get it. He was this defensive mastermind. But at the end of the day, Coach Motor City, Dan Campbell, embodies that city, and he truly has got that locker room. And I think that's the key. He is, he is, it's all him there. They love him. There's nothing that's going to move on, have them move on from him. If they do have some kind of backslide season, I think he this year just has won himself at least three or four years. Oh yeah. This is the most successful that Detroit's been. I think if he, if he gets fired within two, within three seasons, Say like say we they miss the playoffs on like the next two and he gets fired the third one. I think that's still not. I think he's, this playoff run is still been like no. You you gotta keep him for at least two more seasons after that. I think he's. I don't say he's locked up his career his position until twenty thirty, but I feel like that should be like that sort of timetable, especially if you're making the playoffs on a perennial basis with Jared Goff, who's been who's had a little bit of rough struggles. But I think honestly, I think that's sort of the area where it's like hey. You should have your career saved until like twenty eight to twenty twenty eight to twenty twenty thirty. I think that's how long you could stay in Detroit for. And if Jared now, Goff I has think... struggles, then you also have Hinden Hooker behind him as well. So former Tennessee boy can go in there and be the starting quarterback. Just like just saying. Mr. Mr. Chip Tooth on an injury report. Well, as long as he's there, now, that's all that matters. Now, here's the thing at the end of the day, though, too. I think that we talk about how much it stinks that the Lions didn't make because I was very excited to have the season start and end with the same game. Uh, that was me personally. I was pretty pumped for that. That would um, be cool. But at the end of the I think it's, you know, I think Brock Purdy has at least earned the right to put the uh, the haters to bed. I think he, so. Yeah. He had, he, 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 clearly went out there in that second half and delivered a comeback game didn't and didn't sweat he never sweat through any of these close games well that's a big thing too i mean people keep talking about you know oh it's the weapons he has and debo samuel and george kill and christian mccaffrey yes those are good weapons but what do you do with those weapons how do you set those weapons up for success obviously jimmy g wasn't doing it because if jimmy g was doing it he'd still be there but he's not. <laughs> he's long gone. And the Las Vegas Raiders, he's lost in Allegiant Stadium right now. I'm not sure where he's at, but he's lost. So Brock Purdy, I, I think he's a really good quarterback. Do, is, 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 is he not an elite quarterback? He's, he's not, you know, Tom Brady-esque or Aaron Rodgers yet. He might. He might. Who knows? I mean, it's, he's, it's early in his career still. I think he's much more Tom Brady. I think he can... Yeah stand in that pocket, deliver to him, move when he needs. He's a lot more mobile than yep. he's like the modern era Tom Brady, where he's yeah. just stoic. He can get the ball to your pass rushers. And you sort of look at that same team as well. You look at early Patriots games. Yes, they were carried by their defense. Yes, they had great weapons. They still had, needed somebody to throw to them. Mm-hmm. They had, God, I'm going to, I should know this. Who was the quarterback before Drew Bledsoe? Brady. Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe. They had Drew Bledsoe, who they just signed to a massive extension. Who went down with an injury, and then Tom mm-hmm. Brady came in and led the Super Bowl a year later. 
Jared Garoppolo, or yeah, Garoppolo comes in, gets a pretty big extension, gets stone, goes down with an injury. Trey Lance comes in, gets injured. Garoppolo comes back in. He goes down with an injury. Brock Purdy leads him to the playoffs again, leads him now to now to the Super Bowl. I, I genuinely think he's much more Tom Brady than he will be Rodgers because of just that, how stoic he is and how well he's he can move in that pocket without feeling any pressure. Look at the way he handles himself too on and off the field. Like he's really got that that kind of Brady uh thing about him. And he has a roommate in an apartment in San Francisco. Because he's making like nine hundred thousand a year. His, yeah, even with his contract, even if he does sign an extension, I think he'll soon have a roommate in San Francisco. That's just Dude, that's, I think that's a I think that's a unique thing to think about, right? He's on a four year contract. He's just he's about to wrap up year two. Do they extend him after year three, or do they take one more year, keep him on that cheap deal, and do and then what does he get after that? I mean, if he goes and plays another great year like this year, is he pulling fifty mil and takes him to the NFC Championship he, game again? I mean, does he take him, or does he do the Brady style and take the pay cuts, hometown discounts? Take I the, think I think if he goes to someplace else. He goes for that fifty mil. If he stays in San Francisco, he's going to take the pay cuts. Yeah, I think so too. I think so. I mean, because the team there is not going away. I mean, they they'll have weapons. They draft very well in that in the in that organization too. So I mean, like they're continually going to have pieces there in San Francisco. Um, I think that it's definitely going to be a situation where he wants to stay. I'm sure the team wants him to stay as well. Um. I mean, if there's a quarterback out there that would say, "Okay, I'll play on my my current my current contract for all four years," I think it would be Brock Purdy. But does the team want to reward him for playing so well the first three and do what they've done with you know AJ Brown got a contract extension after three years or four years as well? I mean, early um, uh, Debo Samuel got an early extension too. Like there are players out there that have gotten early extensions. Um, and held out for that. I don't think Brock Purdy's going to hold out like we saw with other players, but I mean, you could see them giving him a contract extension just as a, a you know, a gracious gift because he is making like close to league minimum um, because he was yeah. the last pick in the draft. Yeah. Could you see them picking up, like maybe giving him something smaller this year and then turn it all into signing bonus, keep him on his regular salary and then give him some kind of nice, like, $15 million signing bonus so that he can go get his own place. I'm sure they probably have some sort of contract addition that talks about him going to the Super Bowl and things like that. And he probably will get a bonus for that. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him something, especially with like the whole, you know, apartment and roommate thing coming out this year and all that stuff. I, th- I would not be surprised if they decided to do that for him, which I think that would be a, a very nice gesture for them. Other thing too, is if you win the Super Bowl, you're going to be in every commercial you could imagine. I mean, he yeah. just and signed his that, first uh, commercial, Toyota. So, yeah. Hey. So if those commercials start coming in, the the brand deals and stuff like that, maybe he doesn't need to get all the money. Well, he's already he's already viral on TikTok too. I don't know if you've seen that. His doppelganger, oh, I missed it. The little yes. girl that's oh, like twelve that. years old that that looks yes. exactly like Brock Purdy with a wig. You need it. I'll send you the video after the show. Um, it's okay. it's, it's very, very it's funny. funny. It's it, hilarious. She looks exactly like Brock Purdy. I I I shit you not. Um, 
Okay, so Dan Campbell did not make mistakes on your your two ends. You think Dan Campbell did the right thing? Oh, Dan by going Campbell made mistakes. Down. Oh no, he made mistakes. But I think. But you just you think Dan he Campbell. should have still done that? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, Dylan, what what do you think? Like, I I, st- I still think in that moment, if you had gone, if you had kicked the field goal on just one of those fourth down attempts, you would have had a tie game going into overtime. And at that but point, is, too, the Lions had just scored a touchdown. So they were the last team to score points in that game. You have the momentum going into overtime. All the pressure's on the 49ers at that point. But one of those fourth down attempts, like, like there was a risky one that they went for on like when they were in range and they went to score a touchdown with it. Like one of the two misses they had on fourth down, though, especially the last one kick a field goal, get the points at that point. You'd be down by seven points instead. Or you'd be tied at that point. They score a touchdown, then you go back and score a touchdown. You have momentum going into overtime. The Lions would easily win that game in overtime. If they had been successful on that fourth down conversion, would you feel the same way? Or would you be saying that Dan Campbell is a fucking genius? Unless they score a touchdown. I mean, if they didn't score a touchdown, then... That's the thing. They too. went for that I, and scored a, an easier field goal. Do you think he would have kicked a field goal at that point? If he was no. that close, they were going to try to no. win the game. No, they were going to go for a field goal. I mean, at that point, tie it up. Like, and that's the thing. That's the difference between the playoffs and the regular season. Regular season, take those chances because obviously it doesn't really matter. You have 17 games unless you continually do it and continually miss week in and week out and have like a six game losing streak. Well, obviously don't do that, but. You're in the playoffs. This is the last game of the year. If you do not win this game, you're not going any further. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200, whatever it is. You don't have a shot at Lombardi Trophy unless you win this game. You have to adapt. That's all I'm saying. In that moment, in that specific moment for fourth down, you would tie the game up. Just, Just do it. Just tie the game up. See what happens from there. It's not like you're you're admitting defeat at that moment by not kicking a field goal. You have an easy chip shot field goal to tie the game for a potential spot in the Super Bowl. That's not the moment to go for it. At the very end of the game, with the you know the final fourth down where they didn't they didn't go for a field goal. That's not the moment to go for it on fourth down and three. So. Get points. Uh, my last my last question for this for the mm. lions do they raise a banner as nfc north division champs oh yeah the first time in 30 years i mean eminem M&M first will. time ever first time ever eminem <laughs> will in his in his house i'm sure um ford field i don't know I mean, this I, is the first time winning the NFC North ever. They won the NFC Central before, so I think they do. I think it's one of those yeah. things where it's like you sort of need to. I think the I think you're in a dome, so you sort of have to. But I think like once you now get used to it, now you can stop doing it. But this is your first time doing it in Ford Field in since it's your first time making it this far for, in forever. You almost made it to the Super Bowl in your first try. Like I think you deserve it. Mm. yeah i mean I, I wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if they did and i'm sure all the celebrities from detroit would be there oh yeah Harry sanders 
Yeah, Barry Sanders will be there. Eminem will be there. What was the guy's name that did the Super Bowl halftime? Not the Super Bowl halftime show. The Thanksgiving halftime show. Uh, Jack, uh, Harlow? Harlow? Jack Harlow. He's not from. He's not from Detroit. I know, but he like. He, he, I don't know. He just. I guess he's from Kentucky. Well, he likes going to Detroit to do the halftime. He'll be there and do another igloo. Oh, he got paid to do it. Well, obviously, not very much. I'd much rather have an. I'd much rather have an Eminem concert. That would be cool. At, for that, for that, because well, he wasn't. Detroit he wasn't the Super Bowl a few years ago. Yeah, one of the greatest Super Bowl halftime performances that we've ever seen. I think the show will be really good too. Usher is gonna be awesome. But will Taylor Swift make an appearance in the Super Bowl show? Uh, I don't think so. Because she'll have to, she's, guys... she's gonna be flying from her show in Tokyo. Pan. I think Yo. Tokyo. Yeah. She'll be flying from her show in Tokyo to Las Vegas to get there roughly what seventeen hours before the game. Yeah, about 18 hours before the game, and then has a show in Australia. You know, the funny thing is, with the the Super Bowl, there is actually a prop bet out there. Will Travis Kelsey pop the question? I saw that. On the field after winning the Super Bowl. There's actually a betting line for that. I think yes was like plus 150 or something right now. Like the plus odds should be way longer than that. You would think so. You would think so. But... I don't know. I, it would be interesting though. It, d- it did. It did make me think. Has there ever been a proposal after? Oh, yeah. I'm sure there has been. But it's probably been like. But somebody that prominent on a team, not necessarily like you know the quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, whatever. Maybe like a lineman or like a a depth defensive player. I'm sure there's been a, a proposal there. Especially someone, like rookies. Yeah, yeah, but someone as prominent as Travis Kelsey proposing to not just any girl, a celebrity in Taylor Swift after the, the football celebrity. game, like the celebrity right now. Lucy said he, I mean, Lucy Alegria is in the comments saying he might, it's possible. They seem super in love. They do. It's funny because I mean, this week we were able to see a little bit of the behind the scenes. There was a videographer and some audio that came out after the game when he saw Taylor for the first time after the game. And, um, they said they, they love each other. Uh, it's something that we haven't heard from them specifically, uh, since this whole relationship came about. We've seen several clips, like one where Taylor was doing a show or after the show, you saw him behind the scenes where she like ran up and kissed him and things like that. You kind of saw that, but this was more, um, intimate, I guess you could say, um, in this scenario. And you got to see a little bit of it play out on the field, which we haven't seen that all season. Um, but I mean, they, they do see it's not, I don't think it's like a, just a, a stunt publicity stunt at this point. I think that we can kind of toss that aside. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, I mean, there are odds for it. So if you think it's going to happen, go, go, go bet some money. I'm sure you could probably win a little bit if you, they did win. So, um, Lucy said also, hi, Alex. So, um, Lucy also said Travis might be the one that sticks. We've not seen this with any previous suitor, and I'm not even a Swifty. It would be huge. A drastic change. Yeah. A it drastic would... change from the, uh, the party the boy, Travis Kelsey. He's... Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah, Travis seems like he's he's settling down a bit compared to, I mean, he's not like a party guy like, you know, Rob Gronkowski or anything, but. Oh, he was in college. I mean, so. yeah, I think I think most of those guys are that in college, but. Um, yeah, he's, he said that quite a bit. Karen is chiming in. Karen, hello. Welcome to the show. 
glad to uh, see you're doing all right in, in the comments. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting. So, so keep an eye on that because that's something that uh, there are Vegas odds out there for is if Travis Kelsey will propose Taylor Swift on the field, which we'll see if that goes, if that happens. If it does, that's going to be the biggest proposal we've seen on live television in decades. Ever. Yeah, ever, probably yeah. Ever. No, ever. It's Taylor crazy. Swift getting married. Can you imagine she then goes to a show in Australia two days later? Can you imagine the Swifties in that crowd being the first people to see her? Going bananas. <laughs> Going bananas. Wow. Of course um, she's in Australia, too. Let's talk about this before we go out. We'll, we'll pick these pretty quickly. The NFL honors came out. The nominees came out. And uh, some interesting names on the awards. But let's see what we think. We'll kind of just go through and just tell me who you think will will win the award this year. Let's go with the uh, let's go all the way down to the bottom first. Let's talk about the AP Assistant Coach of the Year. Here are the nominees: Ben Johnson, defensive uh, offensive coordinator for the Lions; Mike McDonald, Ravens defensive coordinator; Todd Munkin, the Ravens offensive coordinator. So both coordinators from the Ravens got in. Um, Jim Schwartz, Browns defensive coordinator, and Bobby Slowick, Texans offensive coordinator. Who do you think will win this award? Alex, I'll go with you first. Ben Johnson, I, you know, like I know all these other guys really, they did a fantastic job, but it's, it's impossible for the media, like and the attention and all that stuff to not sneak into these guys, the people who have the votes names, I think it's a, it's one of the few of them on here that who I think should win and who will win are the same person. Yeah, I think Ben, yeah, I think Ben Johnson's going to win. I wouldn't be surprised if we do see like a Bobby Slowick win as well. Just the way that that Houston Texans team was run offensively was just insane, especially with a rookie quarterback and CJ Stroud. But I think you look at that team, the one that's the most well-known and the one that got the most hype around and maybe he could be a head coach, a head coach is Ben Johnson. So I would be surprised if it is him at the end of the day. I, I can see it being Ben Johnson. Um, also Jake says Lucy's husband, Jake says Ben Johnson as well. I would, I'll just be different. I'm going to say Mike McDonald. I think with his defensive rankings for the Ravens, they got to the AFC Championship game. I know that the Lions got to the NFC Championship game, but just how dominant that defense was in the regular season for the Ravens. Um, it's the best defense we've seen from them in quite some time. I think that they would probably give him the nod there as assistant coach. And also he, he is a head coach now. So that gives Ben Johnson another chance at it next season. Uh, to be assistant coach of the year. So I, I'll I'll say Mike McDonald. I'll go out there on a limb. I, I don't think it will be, but I'll, I'll see if it happens. I'll see if it sticks. Um, AP coach of the year, Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans with the Texans, Kyle Shanahan, or Kevin Stefanski of the Browns? Tyler. Uh, Stefanski. Look at that injury. Look, Literally just look at the injury report and look at how many all pros they have on it. I think... That deserves it no matter what. Domingo Ryan play, was amazing this year. John Harbaugh was amazing. Dan Campbell led the led the Lions to the first playoff appearance in 30-plus years. But I think you look at the injury list with Kevin Stefanski, and they were still able to make the playoffs and almost beat or was beating the number one seed in the regular season in a very tough division. I think I, I won't be surprised if Kevin Stefanski ends up winning it. Alex? You know... Uh, did who won it last year? Was it Dan Campbell who won it last year? I don't know. Uh, uh, I 
think Tyler can find out. Yeah, because I, I think it was, it was Rage two years oh, ago. Oh, Brian Dable. Dable, Brian that's right. Dable what a fall that's from right. grace. You know what? For that reason, I'm going to say Dan Campbell. You know, I think Dan Campbell uh, clearly should he, – he probably should have won it last year in the fact that he not only can, you know, had the same success but had better success i i think dan campbell uh is uh is probably gonna win it uh i think kevin stefanski is also very deserving um but my next op- my next option after dan campbell though would be D'Amico ryan's a rookie yeah. head coach rookie quarterback doing what they did this year and the way he had the team rallied around him uh was probably and honestly probably the most deserving Mm-hmm. on the list with what they did um but i think dan campbell is probably who will win it kyle shanahan and jara Harbaugh, they've they've had their success they yeah they don't need to be on the list also D'Amico ryan's just because of the success he's had with with uh, cj stroud and that team being what three and 14 last year i mean yeah. they they were abysmal last year uh, I, I think that them making a playoff run too. i mean both the lions and the cleveland browns at least sniffed the playoffs last year the texans yeah. did not um and with it being his first year as a head coach i think the committee is going to definitely look at, at that as uh, a plus for D'Amico. so i think D'Amico ryan's would win that but I, I would not be surprised either guy dan campbell or kevin stefanski either i think both of them had all four of the all five of those coaches had great great years this year so yeah. um Definitely, I could. I wouldn't be surprised if any of them winning it. Um, AP comeback player of the year. I think we all know who's going to win this game, win this award. Who should win this award is something we're going to be looking at, though. Um, Joe Flacco, Demar Hamlin, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, or Tua Tungavaloa. Alex, Baker Mayfield. I, you know, I know a lot of people think that it should be an injury related award, like someone, you know, someone who took an injury and then came in. I will take to X and voice my opinion once Damar Hamlin wins it and say he didn't deserve it. And that, you know, he's a barely, the only reason he was even on the bills this year was because of the injury, because of the publicity it would bring on. You know, he played what three games this year, including the, yeah, uh, like, yeah. He played for three games, had two tackles, and that one fake punt, I think. And the fake punt that yeah, was I, abysmal. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you look at the people on that list, the two that the two that come to mind that should win are Joe Flacco and Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield, at the end of the day, is the one who played the full season and is the one who really has risen from the ashes. Tyler? Yeah. I mean, again, obviously, I think DeMar Hamlin, obviously, he's going to win it. I think he deserves it. But if I had to pick with somebody based off, well, I think he deserves it just because he's alive and breathing. I'm but, alive. I mean, yeah. Are you but... comeback player of the year? <laughs> Were you in the NFL last year? Did you play this but year? I, I think... I got to go with Joe Flacco. He didn't just go back to when he was playing. He went back to his 2012 stint when when they did win the playoffs. I think if they did go a little bit farther, I think that could have swayed the votes a little bit more. I know this voting is more done during the regular Regular season. season. It it is regular season. I always always feel like there's a little bit of playoff there, especially that first week. I feel like there's got to be some playoff aspect in it. So I wouldn't be surprised. 
but I would still have to say Joe Flacco. He turned back the clock to 2012, a whole decade plus, and was just making throws that I don't think he should have been making. He at was a his dog. Age. He was. Literally, with the Cleveland Browns. Um, Wesley says a comeback in the, to the bench shouldn't qualify anyone. Mayfield for me. Uh, you know what? The thing is, before Alex's uh, speech there about Baker Mayfield, I, I, I think the justification's there for Baker Mayfield over Joe Flacco. I, I, I like Joe Flacco. That was a good pick, especially him coming off the, coming off the couch to come play for the Browns. Uh, depleted Browns with a, with a beat-up offensive line. Didn't really have too many weapons there except for Amari Cooper that he was throwing to, which Amari Cooper was going off as well. Um, big dog there in in Cleveland. I I I probably go with Baker Mayfield over Demar Demar Hamlin and Joe Flacco. Obviously Demar Hamlin, but uh, it's a great story for Demar though. I I, I still think Demar. You know that's going to be the feel good story of the year. Him coming back and being on the field at least a few times. I think if it would have been better if he comes back next year and plays half the season next year and plays the full season. I think that instance could be a comeback player of the year instead of this year. Um, It would be more, uh, a more qualifying approach for DeMar Hamlin. If he played next year than getting it this year, but that might signal also that he might not be playing next year. If he wins it this year, who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, But at the end of the day, I think that Baker Mayfield deserved it the most. Yeah, and also too, to people that are like com- like comparing it to the Alex Smith comeback player of the year, like year versus uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Like at least Alex Smith played a majority of the season when he came back right. from that injury, and he was putting up good numbers. Like Demar, even though I think he will win it, and I think a lot of people will feel good, like the feel good story of the year. I think it's it's just rough when it's like, oh yeah, you've played three games, played like a total of like fourteen snaps. Like that's not really. You didn't come, come back. back. You played 14 snaps. Like no. doesn't qualify for any were, of, Yeah, I think if he any comes, of his snaps even like were they not special teams? Did he have any I think he had I think he had like two snaps that were not special teams. I think if he comes back next year and plays like you said like half the season over half the season then yeah, give him comeback player of the year then. But 14 snaps should not qualify for it because that's not even a a an NFL game is a hundred snaps, hundred plus snaps. Like that's not even a quarter of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, even if you look at, if you want to look at injuries and come back player of the year for guys who don't really make it to the field afterwards, Ryan Shazier, he was still a yeah. part of the Steelers team after he got injured. He was on the payroll. So why didn't he get comeback player of the year? If that, if that's what we're going to turn this award into is that you have a devastating injury and the next season you're just, you're back. But, I mean, you, you might not be playing, but you're back. I, I think that it should be on the field that they're getting the results. I, again, if DeMar Hamlin comes back next year and plays half the season or more and is actually a a contributor on the team, on the football field, then ob- obviously he deserves the award. But in, in this moment, I just don't think he does. I don't think he does, unless they're changing the definition of comeback player of the year. Um, hey, maybe they're changing the name of the award to the Demar Hamlin Comeback Player. Of the I'm year actually award. surprised. I, they I think yeah, they should just make a separate that. award at that point. Then do that. Like if you think it's if 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 it's that important for Demar Hamlin to have a trophy because of what happened, then make a new category. Or you can have it based for like the training staff, the Demar Hamlin training staff year, the training training staff award of the year, where Ooh. it's the best training staff that 
like provided the best service to different teams. I think Didn't that would be the best way to do it. They got recognized they last year during the NFL honors, yeah. or it was yeah the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills training staff did. And I think that would be the best if you want to like put his name on something like that. I think that would be a better idea than just giving him the comeback player of the year award because you don't really remember it. No, like the only reason why I like you remember uh, Alex Smith a few years ago. Geno Smith was last year. Who was it before then? I don't remember. I think Tom Brady won it the year after. Aaron Rodgers won it one year too, didn't they? Didn't Aaron Rodgers won it. But yeah. It, yeah, but it's like, you don't really remember it all that much. If you have like an award where it's like, hey, I want to celebrate this one person for staying alive. Do it like, hey, celebrate the training staff. Celebrate these this group of Hopefully people. Hopefully it's, it's described like, better than that. I want to give it to this person I mean, who stayed alive. That that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Better, better explanation. <laughs> better. But, yeah. but I think that would be the better way to do it. It's just like, hey. Let's make it separate where it's like, hey, this is the best training staff of the year voted on by players who's been injured. They're like, hey, this is the best training staff that I've been helped with before. Because I know so that last week that one of the Chiefs or Ravens guys got injured and then the Chiefs training staff ran out and helped them yeah. before that or something like that. I think something like yeah. that would be would be nice for it. Yep, absolutely. Um, we do have four categories. We'll skip... Uh, well, well, we'll talk about it really quickly. We'll just hit on it real fast. AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. Will Anderson for the Texans, defensive end. Jalen Carter with the Eagles, defensive tackle. Joey Porter Jr. with the Steelers, cornerback, which I don't know why he's there. Um, Kobe Turner, Rams, defensive tackle. And Devon Witherspoon, Seahawks, cornerback. Um, do you guys have Jaylen an opinion Carter. on that? Jalen Carter? Okay. Jalen Carter was the only one that... Jalen Carter and Will Anderson were the only two that really did stuff this that, year. That's what I was assuming, too. Um... I think if you'd asked me the first eight weeks of the season, I would have told you Jalen Carter. Uh, but obviously the Eagles fell from grace in a way that Very no quickly. team may have ever done. Uh, I think Will Anderson is a clear uh, – I think I think it's going to be the number two and number three picks that get the, the awards, the rookie awards this year. Wow. And that number two pick goes over to C.J. Stroud. Um, Texans quarterback, their AP offensive rookie of the year. And I'll go with um, Will Anderson as well for the Texans. Um, offensive rookie, Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson. They were both underutilized running backs this season. Sam Laporta up in, oh, well, until later in the season for the Lions, at least. Um, Sam Laporta, tight end, Puka Nakua, wide receiver, and CJ Stroud. I think those three are the ones that are actually going to be vying for this award the most. Um, so CJ Stroud is Alex's pick. Tyler, what is who's your pick? for this cj i think he's far and away the best i think sam laporte i think i know that it's gonna sound controversial i know P- puka nikula had one of the best statistical rookie seasons for a wide receiver you have cooper cup on that team he does not have that season you, if you have cooper cup on that on that team for the for the entire season he's not injured for the first half of it puka nikula does not have that statistical season as he did i think sam laporta should be number two but i think heads and tail heads above anything else it should be it should be CJ Stroud. I hear you, but I mean, I think you can pretty much base anything on injuries. You could say, oh, well, this yeah. person does do, would deserve it if this person was, you know, injured or this person was healthy or whatever. Um, and the season happened the way it happened. So, I mean, at this point, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, Matt Stafford likes the slot receivers and he likes targeting one receiver in particular. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's sort of going to happen that way. I mean, since it's a quarterback, I'm sure C.J. Stroud is going to win this award. Yes, um, I, I, I wish, I hope that Sam Laporta and Puka Nakua get their flowers uh, some in some way because they both had very good seasons too for their teams. 
Um, but yeah, I think CJ Stroud is going to run away with that one. Um, last three here. I actually had five instead of four, like I said before. AP Offensive Player of the Year, Tyreek, Lamar, CD, Christian, or Dak? Christian McCaffrey, right? Can it be anybody else? He should I mean, unless, unless we unless we shock the world and pick him for MVP, it it has to, you know, again, and if you'd asked me week 16, I would have told you Tyreek Hill. Um, but I think uh, the fact that Tyreek didn't hit 2,000 yards uh, will ultimately keep it from him, and it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Some injuries there for, for Tyreek, too. But then Christian had some injuries as well and still played. I mean, I think he, he had... And if for some reason... This and if like for some reason game. it is yeah, Christian. Yeah, if it is for some reason Christian McCaffrey does get in fact get the MVP somehow, uh, then Lamar Jackson would get AP offensive player of the year, but it's not gonna happen. I think it's gonna be Lamar. Um he's a yeah, betting I'm favorite say, too for that award as well. I'm saying Lamar because I have CMC winning the MVP. Oh, okay. Hmm. I'll explain it when we get to the MVP, but I'll, okay. I have Lamar winning offense. Derek Henry didn't year. get it when he hit his 2000, but Christian McCaffrey does. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, AP defensive player of the year, Deron Bland, cornerback for the Cowboys, Max Crosby, Raiders defensive end, Miles Garrett, Cleveland Browns defensive end, Mike Parsons, Cowboys linebacker, or TJ Watt, Steelers linebacker. And he set the record for most pick sixes in a game or in a season. I think, that basically makes it to you. I think it's sort of going to be a little bit skewed because of it. I think it should be, honestly, Max Crosby. Yeah, honestly, I think it should be Max Crosby, but I think Deron Bland's going to win it. Max Crosby was just dominant on the Raiders. I mean, he has been the past, like, what, two, three seasons now? Ever since he got his and extension is, there, he's been dominant. Well, and as good as he is, right, like, we can talk about how good he is. I think the thing that makes him stand out against everybody else who is maybe as good as him is when you look at the percentage of snaps played, he plays like 97% of snaps. Yeah. He doesn't want to take snaps off. It's unbelievable. Um, I think that there's a chance Max Crosby does win it, but I think the success of the Raiders will be what hinders yeah. his legacy from this year. Miles um, Garrett would also be a great one, but yeah, Deron Bland at the end of the day, he set a record. I think Bland will be one and Miles Garrett will probably be two. Yeah. Yeah. And Max Crosby will be three. Uh in the voting that that'll be happening this year. Um AP MVP but betting odds are saying Lamar Jackson, but we have Josh Allen, we have Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, and Brock Purdy. Only one non quarterback on the list. I've been think... saying it since week twelve, by the way. You have been. You have been. You know, I think the thing that is going to hurt Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey the most in the voting is the fact that they're on the 49ers. I think that team is just so damn good at everything that it's hard to say that any one person on their team is the most valuable player to their team. That is why... I think it'll be Lamar Jackson. Hmm. I I would lean more CMC. I think he deserves it more. I think he's had three games this year, maybe four games this year where he didn't have a touchdown. <laughs> and one yeah, of them was and, an injury game. So like, yeah. he, he 
was the backbone for when they were struggling in the past game. Insert Christian McCaffrey here. Like he he was the guy they were leaning on when he was down with an injury. I think they even I think they lost that game that he was out with an injury. Yeah, you look at the you look at that stretch where he was injured too. He wasn't playing at a hundred percent. That's that skid. That's that like five game skid that they had was when he was playing hurt. Yeah, and he comes back healthy, and they end up just winning again. Like it, he's the most yeah, valuable but, player on the most valuable team, in my opinion. But yeah, but Devo I, Samuel was also hurt at the same time. Trent Williams was hurt at the same time. They were all out and hurt at the same time. Yeah, they went on that three game skid, and then once everybody was back, they were back on track mm. again. I just I think at the end of the day. I think if we call this a quarterback award, Brock Purdy was the best quarterback in the league this year. I don't care what, like what, I mean, if you look at the statistics, statistically, he was the best quarterback in the league, but the fact that he's on the 49ers will ultimately hinder his ability to, at least for the next year or two, to be considered for the, to really be considered unless he throws for 5,000 yards and, 45 touchdowns next year. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson is I mean, a flashier name. Lamar Jackson is the name that ESPN talks about every single day of the yes. year anyway. So they're going to try to give it to Lamar as mo- as much as possible. And obviously he's probably going to get it anyway, because he's the betting odds favorite. Um, like we discussed. Are you so. surprised that Josh has getting, has been getting no respect. It took him a little while to, to catch on. Team on that. It took him a little while to catch on this season. He had a slower start this season as well. Um, Still had the most touchdowns of anybody in the league. He did. Don't get me wrong. Josh Allen, if we say who's the most important player on a team, like to their team, it's Josh Allen. Yeah. Josh is the most important player on (laughs) on least At least most important quarterback, I would say. I think he's the most important player on the Bills. You look at that squad. On the Bills, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had nobody. They had nobody else. Stephon Diggs, Diggs was doing nothing. Had a, he was doing nothing this year. Had a complete regress. Actually, James Cook finally passed 1,000 yards for the first time since Shady McCoy back in 17. But... He did. He did. Wesley but says... you know it. what? Yeah. I was going to say, but DeMar Hamlin is on the Bills. He is. So. He is. Um, Wesley said, I'd rather see Matt Ryan win comeback player of the year over Hamlin. Hey, zero turnovers. It's still less absurd than Hamlin winning, in my opinion. Zero turnovers in the booth. Yeah. Did you he hear was, about the whole thing with Greg Olson? Yes, with Greg Olson, Tom Brady uh, taking over Greg Olson's job, just kicking him out after being there for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Where do we think just... Greg Olson ends up? It's not Fox. <sighs> It's not Fox. He's not. Taking, I want, he's not taking I want to go to ESPN. I would love I him to be on ESPN. ESPN. If he was on Monday Night Football, so much better. Then the, the I trio want him, they have right now, it's it's weird. I mean, is I it Louis, it's Louis a... Riddick? Louis Riddick. Um, who are the other two guys that are there think, for Night Football? Greg Olson's not going to take a number two slot at ESPN either. I, oh, I, I wanted to the take best the number one spot. <laughs> yeah, I. They're not, you're not going to force. Uh, uh, who's who is it? It's, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's Troy Joe Aikman Buck and, and Joe yeah, Buck. Troy Aikman and Joe yeah. Buck are the, are the Joe mainstays Buck. there. That's right. They're good. I, I think they. I, in fact, I think they're number two team with Dan Orlovsky. I think that's another good team too. I think the best place for him to end up. Hey, uh, Chris Collinsworth, thank you for all of your years <laughs> of service to football. But it's time to go. It's yes. time to move on. Yeah. I think Tarico 
and Greg Olson would be a fantastic combination. And yeah. if Chris Collinsworth wants to stick around, slide him into football night in America. Oh, slide him, into, slide, him back, slide him into Thursday Night Football. Give him him and Al Michaels back. I mean, I don't think Kirk Herbstreit's going to be taking, who's going to be giving up that position anytime soon. It's a pretty cushy job, Plus, Thursday Night I, Football. Pretty cushy. And I, I mean, yeah. And I think some people, some people the, don't get that opportunity. Hmm. I think the pro football focus stuff would do really well if it like really started getting reported on during football night in America. I think he could really grow what he's doing over there. If he had a place like football night in America, where he was the main person there really promoting it. Mm. I don't know. I, I think Greg Olson deserves to be on TV somewhere on Sundays or Mondays yeah, yeah. or Thursdays somewhere. Um, they need to figure that out because it, it's, it, it, he's definitely one of the best color commentators on air, um, during the football season. So I will say like my last little thing on that is if, if you're going to get somebody that's going to show up probably more well-prepared though, than Greg Olson, it's, it's going to be Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like he was on the Pat McAfee show talking about how much he's how much the work he's doing preparing for that role. It just seems to me like Tom Brady. He's just not as personable. It's not as fluid. His personality is not as fluid as a guy like Greg Olson to where it's just smooth. Like he, he just it's like conversation with Greg Olson with Tom Brady. It just seems like. Not necessarily robotic, because I don't think he's robotic. It just seems more of like um, book smarts instead of street smarts. So I would have agreed with you until his interview with on the Pat McAfee show this week. Tom Brady came on the show for the first time, and it was the first time I've seen Tom Brady and thought, that's a guy I'd like to sit down with and just talk to. Like, he seemed like just a guy. Hmm. I know his his teammates have said that for years about him, that he's just a great guy and a great hang and all this stuff. His appearance on the McAfee show with those guys just talking football, talking whatever, I was like, all right, I think this is going to be good. And Kevin hmm. Burkhart can carry anybody to a successful uh Oh, yeah, appearance. yeah, 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 for sure. I agree. Um, well, that does it for the show. Those are all our talk points for the evening. Thanks for watching once again. If you don't mind, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, Kick, uh, YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on there. We'd love to get your support there. Also, follow us on all podcasting platforms, Out of Bounds, Dylan James. We'll be having this podcast going up tomorrow morning at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to listen there and also share with your friends. We'd love for that uh, that listenership to go up each and every week and so we appreciate the sharing there alex thanks for joining the show for the first time in person virtually in person yeah thanks for having me had a good time absolutely absolutely tyler as always thanks for uh being here and on time even though i thought you were mia this week but yeah my computer was not happy with me nor nor is it really ever happy with me but today was especially not happy all right. Well, I'm glad it's happy now. That's a good thing to end the show. It, Thanks once again not. for watching, guys. Um, and we will see you next Thursday on 7 p.m. Eastern time right here on Out of Bounds with JDF Media. Bye.